Oh, thank you. Well, I'm glad everyone's here. We got a good word this morning. I believe that the word is always good. It's whether we receive it or whether we reject it, but it is full of wisdom. It's full of life that the word brings life to us. Hallelujah. So we're going to have a good time in Jesus. I make no regrets if, or, or apologies if we go a little long. It's just going to be perfect. We're going to start with Psalm 62. I want to read three or four psalms to you, and then we're going to take off from there. But first of all, let's pray. Father, I thank you that it is the Spirit of the living God that rides in on the Word, that makes revelation come to us. I ask that you speak to our hearts and forever change our life. May the Word of God uh, not be, uh, but may it always be remembered. May it we have recalled everything that was said today. I thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit that illuminates the word. I pray for simplicity of the word that everybody, even from the youngest child, could understand what we're speaking of this day in Jesus' name. Psalm 62 and 8. I'll probably work you fast, Bruce. Maybe, maybe not. But Psalm 62 and 8 says, trust in him at all times. No matter what your situation is, no matter how dark or distant the thing is, it says to trust in him at all times, all people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. See law. Everybody say, see law. That's an interesting word. It says, trust in him at all times. He is our refuge. He is our safe place. He is our protection from danger and distress, a dwelling place or a high tower. To trust in him, all you people, pour out your hearts before him because he is our place of safety. Let's go over to Psalm 68, verse 19. It said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Selah. That's a wonderful word. It's, it's mentioned 70 Four times, I believe, in the Old Testament. And it's mentioned 70 times or more in the psalm. In the Amplified, it says what the definition of Selah is. It is to pause and calmly think about it. See, this is wonderful. It says that the Lord is... Or the Lord daily loads us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. See, we're not supposed to just blow right through that and go on to stop and contemplate what you've just heard. To stop and meditate on that. To think about it. This is awesome stuff. In the Psalms, they were primarily songs. And the composition, I would imagine that they would 
sing and they would praise. They would sing psalms and songs unto God. But they would say, stop and think about what you just did. Stop and contemplate what you just said. That God is just so incredibly awesome that his benefits come to us daily. Every day there will be a different aspect of his benefits and they'll come to you every day. Selah. Stop and think about it. Contemplate what God has done. This is amazing, wonderful stuff. Stop and consider or to meditate all of these great things that God has done. Do you believe that he blesses us every day in different ways? Selah. To stop and consider and to think about the goodness of all that he has done. So we jump over to Psalm 3. I said that many of the psalms is songs that we sing in Bible school. At least the old school did. We don't touch on them like we should anymore. But many of the psalms is made into songs that we know very well, even that we hear on the radio. But Psalm 3, we're going to look at it very quickly. It says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are those that rise up against me. Have we heard this one? Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him and God. Selah. Stop and think about that. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Stop and consider. I laid me down and I slept. I awakened for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people which have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all of my enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. To stop and consider all of these things that we just heard. Amen. Hallelujah. So today I would like to slow down just a little bit. And for us to stop and consider and to see law the things that we've heard and meditate upon what is being said. Because these words are words of life. They're words that's going to sustain you. They're words that's going to protect you. There's words that's going to encourage you and to strengthen you. Last Psalm, and I'll read it, Psalm 23. But I'm only going to read one verse of it. In Psalm 23, verse 3, it says, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. I believe I heard somebody this morning talking about restoration. All of the things that was taken from you, the things that was lost for whatever reason, he desires to restore it. He restores your soul. 
the Word of God tells us that we are a three-part being, that we are a spirit, the real you is a spirit. We have a soul, we live in a body. It's very important that we understand these things because we can rightly divide the word of truth and we know where our troubles are coming, we know where our weaknesses are lie, we know where all of these things are. It tells us that we are a spirit, we are a soul, and we are a body. And it says in Hebrews 4, For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So we can see that our soul and our spirit are two different things. Are you with me? He restores our soul. And I think we need to see law and to really think about this because what I'm going to tell you today, I believe, will set some people free. He restores our soul. So everything that you're dealing with in this congregation today is a soul issue. And he can restore everything. He can restore everything. We don't have to be sick another day in our life. We don't have to be broke another day in our life. We don't have to be depressed or have uh, anxiety, whatever these things are, so on and so forth, because that all is a soul issue. And it says very clearly that God is the God that restores my soul. Are you listening? Hallelujah. So I got to ask you some questions today. Can a born-again, spirit-filled believer have damaged emotions? Absolutely. There's people who have suffered many things. Neglect, abuse, many different forms of abuse. All of these things, so their soul realm can it be damaged? And it is a resounding yes. We're dividing the soul and the spirit a little bit this morning because all of your problems is in the soul realm and all of your problems can be corrected. Somebody say amen to that. See, your spirit is perfect. If you're born again, blood-washed child of God, your spirit is absolutely perfect. Your spirit is just like God. Your spirit is just like Jesus. There's no nothing missing, nothing damaged in your spirit. All of the damage, all of the things, all of the things we wrestle with, emotions, the uh, boundaries that we set up before ourselves, that is all in the soul realm. And today we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to send some correction to the people. See, I need this too. 
I had a lousy week. And when I have a bad week, I get sharp with my wife. She's the only one around to unload on. I could get depressed. I could get bitter. I could get a lot of things. But I'm smart enough not to dwell there. It may come and visit me, but I don't stay there forever. Amen, because I know these are destructive things that can cause me a lot of trouble. But all of these things reside in the area of the soul. Our spirit is perfect. We got some perfect young children here today. They look beautiful, all of them, even the teenagers. Sometimes when a child is born, the doctor may say, I've got some bad news. It looks as if your child has a mental defect or perhaps your child is born with some physical defect. But in the spirit realm, there is no defect. There is no defect at all. See, this is where we got to stop and think about these things. Because we can either live by the flesh or we can live by the Holy Spirit. I believe that we should choose to live by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God living within us is 100% victory all the time. But we have to divide the soul and the spirit. Our trouble comes from the soul. Hallelujah. Our spirit is 100% victory every time because of the sinful things we have done or that were done to us while growing up, the soul has become damaged or wounded. Many people, I know that many people have experienced unspeakable things growing up. We all think we've got it bad. We all think that uh, we had it worse than somebody else. But believe me, there's people who has things a lot worse than I've ever dreamed of happen to them. And it causes a breakdown in their soul realm. It causes a problem with their emotions, so on and so forth. So what is the soul? The soul is not really you. The soul is your mind, your intellect, your will, your emotions. All of these things can be changed for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. The way we think is extremely important. That's why I tell everybody if they would just come, if they would just stay with it for a while, God and will begin to reshape their mind, the way they think, because we've all been programmed to think the, what, the way the world has taught us to think. Are you with me? That we're not superior, we're not all of these things, and if someone has a damaged soul or damaged emotions, it does not mean that they're a bad person. It means that they've got a hole in their fence, a hole in their hedge, or the devil has found a way to get in there and do some things. 
But I've got good news for you today. Whatever is broken or damaged can be corrected. We're going to look at Luke's gospel. I'll read it. I don't have all of the scriptures for Bruce today. We'll wing it a little bit. We'll find this in Luke 4. I'll read out of the Amplified. It says, the words of Jesus, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce and release to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, those who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. These is the people Jesus come to set free. So it's very possible that someone could be sitting in the pew every Sunday and be bruised, downtrodden, crushed, and broken down by calamity or situations. Do you agree with that? I, I know we all shine up real good and we wear our special glow, uh, dress and we, we look nice. We got our hair fixed and we shave and we do all of these things. But the person right next to you could be miserable. They could be downtrodden. They could be bruised, crushed, so on and so forth. We're quick to say, well, it's all good. But the truth is it's not all good. Are you with me? Not, not everybody is living the life that they have been designed to live. But whatever is damaged can be repaired. Because this is not an issue with your spirit. This is an issue with your intellect, your emotions. How many believe that we're to be led by our emotions? Some people believe that. I think that they believe it. Uh, subconsciously, they're looking for offense, they're looking for any little thing because it hurt my feelings. That troubled me. My goodness, if things trouble you that easily, how do you ever make it in the workplace? Because it's a hard deal. Scott could say amen to that. If you were that touchy-feely and sensitive, you wouldn't make it very long up there because you've got a rough bunch, at least in places. But all of these things, our emotions, all of these things come from the soulless realm. And they can all be changed. We all know Simon Peter before Pentecost. We know Simon Peter before the Holy Spirit. We know Simon Peter through time. Everybody say through time. This is something that you develop. It's something that you develop. See, we can all leave here in a couple hours. And we could all say, boy, that was a good message. But then it is decision time. It's a choice that we make whether to walk in this or just go on about our way. But the victorious life is found in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. We preach and we teach that at the cross... And the blood of Jesus Christ, everything was taken care of. Well, this may be a play on words, but may I say, 
most of the fix was done at Calvary. You mean he didn't complete everything? He did. Our spirits was totally restored back to Father God, and we became new creations in Christ Jesus. But how many has got saved and still find that they still got old patterns that they follow, old addictions, old mindset, all of these things after they've been born again? Can you say amen? Chances are if you smoke cigarettes before you was born again, you're going to continue at least for a period of time afterwards. You're going to think the same way. You're going to act the same way. You're going to do the same thing. It's not saying that you're not saved. It's that they are some patterns in our life that we have to deal with. These things get dealt with by the renewing of our mind. Listen to me, young people. We renew our mind. It says, do not let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice the plan of God for you, which is good. It meets all of his demands and moves towards the goal of true maturity. So it says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within. Hallelujah. This is an ongoing, continual process that the child of God has to do from now for as long as we're on planet Earth. There'll be a day when we have no more worries. We have no more things. But right now, God wants to remold the way we think, which will cause us to put in practice the things that we do. But you got to stay in there and you got to apply yourself and you have to make a decision. We have to make a choice. We have to make a choice. Hallelujah. We doing okay? Many of the parables end like this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Listening is a decision. Listening is a decision. The key to the parable of the sower that sows the word, let him who have ears to hear, let him hear. We have to be willing. We have to make a choice. We have to make a decision to hear. The word is the thing that is going to change the situation for us. Amen. We, we, we come together sometimes and we just say, oh, just give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Give me the fix, lay on some oil, put something on me, you know, pray over me. It's going to be good. You're going to take all of my problems. and They're going to be thrown. That can happen. But afterwards, it's decision time to walk in it. 
Hallelujah. I believe this with all of my heart, that we can be victorious, that everything that God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, is for us. And we have no excuses. We can't say, oh, I can't, you know, blah, 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 blah. I can't do it. The parable goes on to say that there was seed sown on hard ground. So hard ground represents the mind focused someplace other than the word. If your mind's off there somewhere, oh, I hope you don't go too long, the football game's on, so on, you're going to have a hard time receiving because your mind has drifted somewhere else. I told the story of the man whose wife was a, she was a saint of God and she dragged the man to church once in a while. He didn't want to go, but he had to show once in a while to make it look like everything was good in their house. And I sat behind him and I happened to, you know, and this guy was reading a golf digest inside of his Bible. I would say his mind was somewhere else. His mind was out there someplace else. But we have to have, we have to make a decision to have spiritual ears that can hear and to open your ears and open your eyes to the things of God in Jesus' name. See law. To stop and think. To stop and think. We hear a lot of things. We hear great teaching. We hear the word and so on and so forth. And we forget it before we're ever out to the highway sometimes. Hallelujah. Scott is going to get his shot someday. I know it because he is a student of the word. He writes everything. He comes and tells me something that I said six months ago, and I don't remember, but he does. He's putting it in the depository in his spirit, which he will draw upon in the time that he needs to draw upon that. See law. So everything is a decision. And let me tell you what God's desire is. That the word you receive changes your thinking and perspective towards life so that you can become a success in the midst of the world that is falling apart. Do we just kind of get on board with the world that's going straight down or are we going to show the world that we're some, somebody different? That we have something that you do not. The whole plant can be laid off and I've proven this. Everybody in my class had been laid off, but I got a phone call that says, we don't get it, but you're going to remain. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Do you know joy is a decision? We can mope around and poor me, oh my goodness, everything's bad, everybody gets a vacation but me, and you know, that could lead to things that's counterproductive. Happiness is a decision. We can choose to be happy. We can be going through a lot of problems, but we meditate, we slaw, we focus our attention on the word and his goodness and his faithfulness, and then things begin to fade. If we think, if we think on how bad everything is, then that will be what will manifest in our life. Oh, glory to God. I think we're doing okay. So the more you focus on the joy of the Lord, he will become your strength. 
There's not anybody that's exempt from pressure, trying times, uh, stress level sometimes, almost unbearable. But we have to find a peace in the middle of all of that. So we will focus on the Lord because his word says that he will keep us, me and you, in perfect peace whose mind whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. So peace is a decision. Peace comes when we meditate and think on the promises of God. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. How do we keep our mind stable? That's all it's saying. I think we all could use some stability. It's not good to be live life like this. We're doing really good, and then we're down in the gutter, and then we're up, and then we're down. I think God wants us to be stabilized. He wants us to have a sound mind. He wants us to uh, be stable and have our hearts fixed on the things of God. This is very key, ladies and gentlemen. We're going through it quick, but we will go on to pull more precious nuggets out. I've got to hit it hard because I've got the young people here today. See, their mind can be fixed on anything. Anything contrary to the Word of God. Your mind's fixed on girls. Your mind's fixed on partying. Your mind's fixed on all of these things. Well, you will begin to move in whatever your most dominant thoughts are. That's a rule of life. If your thoughts are fixed on Jesus and what he has done for us, then peace will come. Then joy will come then all of these things will begin to manifest in our life. So how we think is very, very important. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. How many people don't raise your hand, but they've got real low self-esteem? They have no confidence because someone's told them they're a failure. Someone's told them they're no good. Someone's told them they'll never amount to nothing. Somebody's told them that they're going to be in prison, that they're going to be on dope, they're going to be this and that. This is the mind that this mind will begin to project an image within you. But the Word of God does not say that. The Word of God says, Everyone who comes to me, I've already pre planned a wonderful life for you. It's a decision that we can reject or that we can walk in. So we have to have a willing mind. We have to have a mind that's receptive to the things of God. I got a scripture for you. 2 Corinthians 8 and 12. Thank you, Debbie, for the water. I'm getting dry this morning. He restores our soul. 2 Corinthians 8 and 12. This concerning our giving. Everything that we could ever want is in the word of God somewhere. We have to dig it out. 
For if there is first a willing mind. I want you to see that. There's first got to be a willing mind. If there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. So all of this has to do with giving. So how you think determines the effectiveness of your giving. Amen. I think, I think I'll give a dollar this morning. Your mind will tell you that. Your mind will never tell you to be a joyful giver. I think that the church will do just fine without my contribution. See, these are thoughts that we all could have. But there has to first be a willing mind. Do, do you see that? He wants us to have an attitude of willingness behind our giving. And a willing mind is always ready to give. Hallelujah. Did you hear that, Pastor Darlene? I swear she can't hold on to no money. Don't go mooching off Darlene now because she don't have any. But as soon as she gets her hands on some, she's ready to give. Hallelujah. But our mind first has to be in the right place to have the willingness to give. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 tells us to give as he purposes in his heart. I've taught this many times that giving is a matter of the heart. To not give grudgingly or necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. So giving is a decision. Amen. I've not taken out the ball bat to anybody to give. There was a story that was it was wonderful. I always wanted to put this in there, but I I uh, I never remember it. There was a, I saved it on the computer. There was a woman in Georgia who got a notice from the pastor of a gigantic bill for unpaid time. <laughs> that if she didn't pay up, she was out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we don't do that here. Grudgingly means you give out of pressure or guilt if you don't give. But God is looking for a way to bless us in our giving. Matthew 22 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. You shall love the Lord. How many knows that love is a decision? That we love whether we feel like it or not. Amen. Do you want a successful marriage that will stand the test of time? That's a decision that we have to make. Because love is a decision. Love is not a feeling. There's a wonderful story that someday I'm going to bring up again. How many has heard of Hosea? 
See, he, he found him a wife, or God set him up with a wife. And I'm sure it's not the wife that he wanted it to be. He was a stand-up guy. He was one of the prophets. He come from a good house. I mean, everything was great in his life. And, and uh, to make a long story short, God said, I've got your wife all ready for you. She's down on the street corner. But do you know the miracle in all of this? It says that when he seen her, he loved her. In spite of all of her uh, weaknesses and all of these things, that he chose to love her. Glory to Jesus. Moving on. Third John, the apostle, prays a simple but insightful prayer for believers in the early church. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. He doesn't say as your spirit prospers because your spirit is already prosperous. The work that needs done is in our soul. He had a revelation that material prosperity and health were tied to prospering the soul. Isn't that wonderful? Do you want to walk in perfect health as your soul prospers? Do you want to have money in your pocket as your soul prospers? So what the enemy does so masterfully is he uses painful memories, usually buried in our subconscious mind, that can manipulate a person's decision and dictate their destiny as far as they can go. Some people will never believe that they can get any farther than the trailer court and welfare. Or they're going to be sick all their life because everybody in my family chain had diabetes. That they're bound to get something because of the way they think. But the word of God changes all that. He restores our soul. Hallelujah. Many people are stopped by their own distorted image of themselves. Do you remember the children of Israel as they was coming out of Canaan land, the land of wealth and prosperity? The distorted image they had of themselves, that they were grasshoppers and they were weak and they were so on and so forth, that distorted uh, everything. They even threatened to stone the leadership for suggesting that victory was a sure thing. Let me talk to you a little bit. There's a man, I assume he is, he's in New York, and I buy some books from him. He's got a side business. He don't have a great deal of stuff, but he's got some books. And most of the people, I don't know everybody, but they are by reputable authors. They're CDs, DVDs, books so on and so forth. I bought a lot of things from him that's really hard to find from um, the evangelistic perspective. But he had a video. I have not bought it yet, but I think I will. I do not know anything about it other than what the cover will reveal. But he said on this 
the title of this video was already gone. He made the bold statement to say that two-thirds of all of the young people in church today will not follow the faith of their parents. That they'll abandon the faith and they'll go on. Listen to me. He said, they may be physically present, but in their mind, they're already gone. Did you hear that? We have to ask ourselves why that is. We come from a church that we participated in for a while. The preacher was a great preacher. He was a great teacher. He had wisdom and insight. He uh, revealed things in the Holy Spirit. He could prophesy. He could do. I mean, he was wonderful. But he was very militant. He had zero tolerance for a lot of things. And I'm all about structure and obedience and correction and all of that. I'd be what they call old school. But there was something amazing that happened in his church that he had a school. It was filled with young people and they were expected to go to church on Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Friday, Sunday. I mean, they didn't participate in things that was considered worldly or secular. You would think that these kids grew up so wonderful. They're going to be just the ultimate. But let me tell you that after these kids got old enough to start making their decisions, probably the success rate in that school and that church was only about 20%. Every one of them ran to things that was not healthy for them, that was addictions, all so on and so forth. But see, this is a choice, and they were smart enough to make the right choice. But the devil is always going to try to manipulate your thoughts and, and take you in a direction that you should not go. But see, I thought this was great because he said that the people in their mind was already gone. So there's reasons for everything. Perhaps the young people are unfulfilled. Perhaps they're not getting answers they want out of the word. Perhaps many different things that we could think that could be uh, the issue and like I said I did not listen to it but I could almost imagine that the answer to most of that is the allure of the world is too strong did you hear me that the allure of the world is too strong they can't put up resistance against that that they fall into the mess and before long they're just on the, 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 the river to nowhere. But this is where we have to stand firm. We have to make decisions because we are here to prepare young and old for the challenges of being victorious in the secular world that we live in. The world is getting worse day by day. We can be swept away in that and all of the things that's coming upon the earth, or we can stand firm in the word of God, but it comes through a renewing of your mind. Our mind plays tricks on us sometimes. 
Hallelujah. So we are victorious. All of these things are a decision. We don't have to be victorious. We can live our life far below what God had designed for us to live. Or we can renew our mind by the word of God. Let me tell you a quote by a man that I love very much. He recently passed away. His name is T.L. Osborne. Him and his wife heard the call of God at a young age. And they surrendered everything, their careers, what they could have been in service of God. They thought God was leading them to India, so they went. And they began to preach and to teach and so on and so forth. Not a whole lot on them, but they had some adjustments they had to make because the first evangelistic meeting was not the success that they wanted. But God had raised them up that they had preached in over 100 nations, probably this man and this woman face-to-face has won more souls than anybody in the modern age. And this is what he said. We got an upset baby there. She's hungry. He's hungry. But listen to me, because this, this quote is very key. I wish this was my quote, but this is his quote. See yourself in God's class. See yourself in God's class. I I would say that requires a little renewing of the mind because I don't think that's the picture that we have of ourselves. To see ourselves in God's class, tapped into God's wealth, you were born with the right of choice. And your ability to decree, your ability to decree how much I want out of life. How high I wish to climb. How rich I want to be. How long I want to live. How much power I want to have. And what goals I want to reach. Isn't that wonderful? So when our souls are restored, we can clearly see this biblical truth. But an unrenewed mind, this sounds like heresy. But it is a decision. It is a choice. He has provided everything that we will ever need through the cross, the blood, and the anointing. Our spirit is perfect, ladies and gentlemen. We can choose to not believe that, but the word of God says that it is. There are no defects in our spirit. The defects that we face are all in the emotional realm, the mental realm, the physical realm. All of these things has to do with our soul. So whatever God is going to do for you, He's already done. In the mind of God, your healing, whether physical, emotional, mental, it's already done. 
Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, bought and paid the ultimate price for our salvation. Our salvation does not just mean that we'll go to heaven someday when, our, when, when we die. It's preservation, it's soundness of mind, it's deliverance. All of these things is all wrapped up in the sozo, this uh, salvation that Jesus prepared for us. Hallelujah. Jesus, through his precious blood, even made it possible for us to forgive and to forget. Does anybody tormented in their mind that they just can't let go of what somebody did to them? Maybe even their parents did unspeakable things to them. Maybe the kids has bullied them. Maybe the job has been unfair to them. But he's made it possible for us to forgive and to even forget. Because the scripture says, how much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works. So he can purge our very memory from these painful things. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. It is a choice that we have to make. And today, I think it would be a good day for decision time. I think if we decide how much you want to make, how much you want out of life, how rich you want to be, how long you want to live, and what goals you wish to reach, then we must decree it until the manifestation comes. Hallelujah. Did we get anything today? I think Matt's been hammering you on Wednesday to know where our problems lie. Everything is in the soul realm. Everything can be corrected. There's nobody that's done anything so far wrong or they're so far gone that Jesus has ever turned his back on you. He's always willing to just take you in just like the prodigal son. A beautiful story. He didn't ask the prodigal son to make a list of all of the sins and how are you going to pay me that money back you stole from me and, and so on and so forth. He just said, welcome home. You're my son. So I'm asking you today, ladies and gentlemen, first of all, if there is anyone here who's never truly made a commitment to say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Restore me. I surrender my life to you for you to do as you will. Anyone at all, just let me see your hand real quick because we're going to move on. Does anyone have issues in their soulless realm? Can I pray for you today? Would you come up here today? I don't often do this, but I think this is very important because the devil has a great agenda against the people, young and old, but especially the young. Especially the young is the most impressionable, the ones that he's got his sights set on, the ones that he chooses to destroy. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that this gospel is nothing but good news. 
but we have to make a decision. Hallelujah. Anyone at all? I'm not a believer in going out and yanking somebody by the scruff of their neck and telling them to come up here because I think that everything depends upon you yielding to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To receive. Somebody said the other day, oh, that was easy because they receive very well. Hallelujah. I hear your belly's growling, but this is more important than that. Anyone at all that desires to be prayed for? Hallelujah. I tell you what, I'd probably be the first one in, in line. I know my life had, past tense, many issues. Some of them things still hang on. Some of them things as residual things that come back to visit once in a while. But he wants you to have success. But he wants you to make a decision to trust him. To get interested in the word. To get interested in the things of God once again. And I think the call is going out nationwide for the people to come back to Jesus. But are they listening? Are they listening? Is the allure of the world and all of its trappings overpowering what God has for us? Salah. Think on them things. We are always available. Some people may not jump up. They may want to give us a phone call or something, but we're here for you. Because this is a life and death matter with many. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Father, I spoke the word that you would have me to speak to the people. I'm so happy that we had... A, a good gathering of young and old today. I thank you that the word of God was presented and it was clearly heard. I thank you, Father, that I lay before them decisions. Hallelujah. Today is the day of restoration. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you speak to the hearts of the people, that those who are running as fast as they can away from you, I would ask that you arrest them and to bring them back to the place where you have called them to be. I ask for a peace and a calm to come over the people today as they trust in you. That we do not try to figure these things out with our intellect, our mind, our good looks, anything that would fall under the soulless realm. But we choose, Father, to look unto the spirit that lives within us who is perfect, who is 100% victorious, at all times. And I thank you, Father, for the turnaround in many. I thank you that they will make sound choices. They will make wise choices. They will make decisions to follow you. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for it. And I, we believe to see by faith in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you for coming, kids. Grant, Jacelyn, it always makes me happy when you come.